We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was a pleasure to have Manny Navarro on yesterday talking about the path of five stars and his article on The Athletic. And now it's indeed a pleasure to have on a previous guest. To me, he's a legend in the business. Uh, Fox Sports, The Athletic, author. Um, he's done everything. And um, we consider him, like we said, to be a legend in the business. So we welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast once again, Bruce Feldman. Bruce, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. A legend just means I'm old. That's all that means. <laughs> oh, never that. Never that. Because we feel like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are legends right now. And they're young because they're doing things. We just talked about it. They're anomalies. Like the, the blessing of an athlete like those two to be able to come in and still develop and win as you develop? Because I don't think we've seen the peak from either one of those guys yet in their games, but they're still winning. And both of them will still probably have at least one Super Bowl, maybe. Patrick Mahomes might have two in another month or so. So we talked about that a little bit earlier on before you came on, that Tom Brady and rest in peace Kobe Bryant might have been one of the two of the most blessed athletes to be able to come into situations as young as they were and get better and build winning resumes as they got better. And then once they became who they were, they just took off and continued to win. So that's not the path for most of these guys. And it's not the path of what you talked about for a lot of these athletes going from high school football to college football and what ends up being the best players in the NFL. I thought you wrote an incredible article on the in the athletic and it really dealt with scouting right because most people just think finding great players in college football is all about read the report who was the five star go recruit those guys and in college that might win you some games but scouting not only from high school but specifically college to the nfl it's a little more than that to really find the jewels like a Justin Jefferson, like a Devontae Adams, or a Josh Jacobs, which you highlighted in your article. Yeah, it's, it is hard. I think the, the thing that was fascinating to me was the best players in the NFL. On the defensive side, there's a lot of carryover from who was the five stars in high school. The only guys who were the outliers on the defense were Aaron Donald was a former three-star you know, you had Slay, who's a terrific defensive back, who played in the SEC. He's a three-star. And then you had Fred Warner, who was a four-star. And Roquan Smith was a four-star. Everybody else were five-stars, whether it was, you know, Derwin James or, or Bosa or Miles Garrett or, you know, Dexter Lawrence. Those are guys who are like have this wow factor I think people see. The, it's way more of a crapshoot on the offensive side. We know the quarterback uh, evaluation is tricky. We know the offensive line is is probably the hardest. But, you know, the guys you mentioned, you know, you'd sit there and go, wow, Devontae Adams was only a two-star? Like, how did people miss on him? And it's not like he was in, like, the Dakotas. You know, he was in Northern California. 
but I think maybe people looked at him as more of a basketball prospect that he was a little raw. Justin Jefferson to me is fascinating because he was in a talent hotbed. Again, I can kind of understand that if it's players who are, you know, kind of, I don't want to say in the middle of nowhere, but in places that a lot of coaches don't get to, you know, so you have guys, whether it's like a TJ Hawkinson or, you know, guys who, who are, you know, come from, you know, or at I end up at Iowa or end up at Wisconsin. Maybe those aren't places that, a lot of people get to then there's the guys who are just kind of the late bloomers physically right Aaron Rodgers now is much taller than he was coming out of high school and I, I just think you know sometimes we get caught up not just we in the media but I think we on social media get caught up in oh this guy was was a high four star or a five star he must be great and you kind of write off we're kind of the ones who maybe were under the radar and they just keep working and maybe have that a bigger chip on their shoulder because they keep working because they were doubted. Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Go download all of our great content. Leave five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Then leave your comments. We read all comments. We respond to all comments, man, because of LL Nation. You have made us one of the fastest growing podcasts centered around Notre Dame football. And we greatly appreciate you. It's the lucky lefty podcast. We spin it different. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you were with us last time, you said one of the areas that Notre Dame had to improve in recruiting was the skill positions on offense. And I noticed that the skill positions, what well, you kind of teased it right there, those are the areas where it's not necessarily about going out and getting the five stars. It's about finding some of those jewels that can come in and make a difference. Yeah, and look, I think I think they're well positioned. I mean, Dylan McCullough to me is about as good a running back coach as there is in football. And you know, going into last year, I think the most dynamic back, or one of the maybe the most gifted back he had, was a freshman they brought in. He, I think, he tore his Achilles back in June or July, and he never yeah. even had a chance to go. And they still, you know, those backs stepped up, and I think they'll be good in that position. And I think they'll get keep getting better. But, yeah, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. You have Sam Hartman coming in. He is he is very experienced, and he's a lot of ability. You know, we'll see what happens with Buckner. He, he looked pretty good at the end of the year once he got you know back to being healthy. We know he can really run. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in year two. I know you guys, you know, focus on Notre Dame a lot. And, you know, it was obviously a rocky start. Um, but they, you know, I think the way they finished the year – I think there's a lot of reason for optimism because I think the the way that Marcus Freeman's staff seems to be recruiting, I think they're taking big swings. And I think he probably resonates better with a lot of kids maybe than what, you know, how they saw Notre Dame 10 years ago. Not all kids saw it that way, but I think he probably has more reach and who he can kind of get, you know, 
get in the year of. Now you mentioned Sam Hartman coming and being an addition. Is seeing the trend of college football being the the league of really old quarterbacks or quarterbacks that are generational guys? Where does that leave the middle of the pack of the quarterbacks that are everywhere else in college football? If the championships are coming from the young superstar, like just starting out, but he's been highly touted, or the 26-year-old that's been transferred, transferred, or had a, a bunch of years left. You know, I mean, look, I, I did a story that went up on The Athletic two days ago. It was the scouting report of Brock Purdy. You know, Brock Purdy was interesting in that. Obviously, he played in a Power 5 level, but he wasn't a big recruit coming out of high school. And But he played a ton of football at Iowa State. And he's a good athlete, not a great athlete. There was nothing he did physically that I think wowed scouts. And so, you know, I had was able to get the scouting report of one specific NFL team and what they had on him. They did not think he was a draftable guy because there was nothing that really kind of wowed them. And his athleticism, which was probably one of his better traits along with his um, – his smarts, you know, they just were like, okay, not that fired up about it. Cause they didn't think his athleticism, he ran for 1200 yards in college, but in the NFL, I mean, and this particular coach put it to me like this, he said, you know, in college, Tim Tebow, Zach Wilson, Johnny Manziel look, all look really fast in the NFL. Those guys get run down fast by linebackers and DNs. And I think sometimes we in the media and certainly a lot of fans of these schools go, well, that guy worked out, you know, I saw him make plays in college. Well, this is a whole different, (laughs) whole different world he's going into. And so what's been great for, for Brock Purdy is he went into an ideal situation. The things that he does really well, I think fit with what Kyle Shanahan can accentuate. He is very savvy and he's very mature. And I think some of those things translate well to what they want to do um, team-wise offensively with motions and shifts and checks and different things. But also, you know, he's got a he's got the best left tackle in, in the NFL. And he's got a, a, you know, a terrific tight end. And Debo Samuel's a special weapon. He's got McCaffrey. And they also have a really, really good defense. So I think it's different than if you're, say, some generational kind of talent like a Cam Newton, but you're going in and you don't have that much around you. Like a Deshaun Watson at Houston. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are guys like that. They go into such bad situations and it's like, you know, you're just plugging your finger in a bunch of different holes and the water just keeps hitting you in the face. You know, I think that that is really, you know, it's hard because certain guys go into situations where in the case of Purdy, he went into an ideal situation. It was a perfect fit for him. doesn't mean he maybe you know, whether we're going to talk about ceilings or, you know, if you ask me, like in this story we did, I asked the the coach, I said, where, knowing what you know now, what you've seen from him in the NFL, what kind of grade would you put on him now? And he goes, I don't know, probably a second or third round grade. And people are like, why is he not a first round? Well, he's not a first round pick because they're not asking him to do the stuff like that, you know. Trevor Lawrence is doing. You know, so I think there's different asks of what what people, you know, you know, he's a good athlete. He's not Lamar, you know, like I think people have to, you know, you can have success, but it's different systems are setting you up for success. in, in that regard, you know, what may work well for <laughs> Daniel Jones, you know, Daniel Jones is not Joe Burrow and he's, you know, certainly not like um, Lamar Jackson or some of these other guys who, who are really carrying the offense in a different way. How much do you think, uh, interesting case of a guy like Trevor Lawrence having the year he did his rookie year compared to the the dramatic 360 that it took or 180 it took with Doug Peterson, new coaching staff. Is it the system or is it the talent that's proven king in this situation? I mean, it's I think it's really both because no matter how talented you are, if everything else around you is dysfunctional, I don't know how you make that work, right? Like if you'd say, if you put Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes has incredible arm talent and he's a terrific athlete in terms of extending plays and how his mind works and he's really bright and he's determined and all these other things, but he's got Andy Reid 
And Andy Reid is a great fit for him. I don't, you know, I remember one specific example of talking to somebody who didn't think, wasn't a believer in Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. He didn't win much. Now he had a terrible defense, but it was, he was in the Big 12. And I think this is absolutely not to diminish Patrick Mahomes because I think he's awesome. But like he's in a really good situation with, you know, with terrific coaches around him. And he's also, you know, he's got the best tight end in football. And for a while, he had the fastest player in football there, you know. So um, I just think if you – but if you stuck him in Jacksonville in 2021 with Urban coaching it and a lot of new pieces around, man, I don't – you know, are they 2-11? on Like, I don't remember what they finished. I know what they were when Urban got fired. Number one pick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, if you put Patrick Mahomes in Jacksonville last year. Are they a number one pick? I mean, because Trevor's proved to not look that bad. He looks pretty good. No, but, uh, no. I mean, Trevor's definitely talented, and he's, he's intangible is really good. I don't know if he, it's unfair to say if he's Patrick talented, but that's like, you know, we could be talking the difference between Michael Jordan and, like, you know, I don't know, Scotty Pippen or something like, you know, we could talk like, you know, he could be a hall of fame talent. He may not be, you know, quite what Patrick is, but he needs help, but he also needs, he, you know, like he also needs structure and, you know, you, that's why I think if you, you know, if I don't think Tom Brady would have gone to Jacksonville if, if it was open, cause he'd be like, I'm not going to do that. Cause that's like, you know, that's not going to help me. I mean, it's an interesting kind of rabbit hole to go down. Like how, how bad, like, like I think in, you know, and look, you, you played it at a high level, but I think there are certain sports where if you put the best of the best in it, how much would they be hindered by the dysfunction, right? In football, I think you're probably going to be more hindered by the dysfunction than like, I'm not saying, you know, I could coach, you know, the teams that, that, that Phil Jackson coached to winning NBA championships. But I'm pretty sure like if you had a coach who didn't know what they were doing and he had Michael Jordan and, and Scottie Pippen and a bunch of other guys, they're still going to probably go to the NBA finals or still be a playoff team. They're not going to be a, a lottery team coming out of that. No matter like I could go in there and they'd be like, yeah, we're tuning him out. We know what we're doing. You know, in football, obviously there's just so much more that goes into it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like an interesting thing because of, because of that. I, I think it's like a, like, man, it's like taking the huge batting donut off for Trevor Lawrence to go into the on deck circle, to go get Doug, to go have Doug Peterson and another year. And I think that perspective and good for him that it didn't scar him or, you know, cause we've seen quarterbacks, you know, like um, not Derek Carr, David Carr, you know, was a talented quarterback but he got sacked like 120 times or whatever it was his his rookie year and it just seemed like you know you're seeing ghosts from that point on once again we have bruce feldman on with us fox sports and also the athletic right here on the lucky lefty podcast we spend a different it's interesting because in the story we read that manny navarro wrote about the five stars Basically, the path for most of these five stars, it was shocking how many of these guys, I think it was 40, 34 total from the 2022 class, and I maybe believe 78% of those guys had zero snaps as a freshman. And like mm-hmm. People don't realize just because you're a five-star doesn't mean that you're going to make an in- impact immediately, and the path taken for most is to really start making an impact and get defensive snaps or offensive snaps as sophomores. That's what Jalen Sneed did for Notre Dame. You saw him come along late in the game and then play in the bowl game. But I'm interested into what it's really about with five stars and the minds of these young men when they're making their decisions. Because you take a school like Georgia and Alabama where they have winning when they walk into someone's school or they talk to a young man. They can put that out front unlike anyone else. And then for a school like Notre Dame that's trying to be a leader of the new school, a leader of the new pack, a new contender, when they don't have that winning, they have to use things like just, for example, you know, people say, man, offensive linemen want to go to Alabama because look at how many they put in the first round. And my retort to that, my counter to that is, yeah, but when you look at the NFL, who become better offensive linemen? 
the Notre Dame offensive lineman or the Alabama offensive lineman. So now you take your pick, you know, when you're choosing this school. Do you just want to go in the first round and be mm, okay? Or do you want to come to Notre Dame and end up being Mike McGlinchey, Aaron Banks, Quentin. Zach Martin, Ronnie Quinn Nelson, Ronnie Stanley? It's like it's an interesting thing. Is that the way you think Marcus Freeman and the staff have to attack, you know, going after these kids, giving them a different perspective on what they may be looking for? Yeah, and I, I think, it, you know, look, you have the O-line coach there now, again, who developed a lot of these guys. Not saying it's easy, but that should be the easiest sell for them. Right, right. right. I mean, the big sell is, you know, and like, you know, Malik can definitely speak to this better than anybody because he, he got it. But like, if you are somebody who is a high level student and if they, you know, if like you're in the conversation with them, you must have been a really, really good student in high school. You know, I think you can sell, hey, this is what not just this degree means, but this is what this network means, right? In terms of like, you know, I've heard stories. I didn't go to Notre Dame, but I know a lot of Notre Dame people about like, okay, if you're a lacrosse player, this is the environment and these are some of the opportunities it can have for you down the road. We're not even talking about like NIL stuff. We're talking about like, you know, like it's not fair for, for me to say like, oh, when other people say this is a 50-year decision, when other schools talk about it, it's like that sounds cliche. But Notre Dame has a lot of this stuff that it's not lip service if you know a bunch of Notre Dame people, right? So if I'm them, and I'm sure Marcus Freeman is doing this, and I'm sure all his assistants do this, but like that's the thing you're hammering home. That's, I mean, because that is a differentiator. But the other thing I think is big is – there are now a lot of there was a stretch and I remembered I you know you you mentioned Ronnie Stanley but there was a stretch with with maybe before him where Notre Dame had gone a long time without like a you know an elite NFL draft prospect not to say they weren't good players but like then you started to have a bunch and maybe they were all linemen but they were still players and I think the thing you got to hit on is like oh if I was a tight end or if I was an offensive lineman I'm definitely listening to Notre Dame right and then if I was a defensive lineman, I would I would start to think about that in my head, too, because it's like, hey, this is what you're going to go up against every day at practice. Oh. This will help you. I think that should be something now would be hammered home. The tricky part to me is, you know, at, how do you get the receivers to listen? I don't know why, like Notre Dame a long time ago, yeah. So, well, I'm really, this to me is a running back thing though. And this is where if the thing that is kind of a little bit of a, confusing or a little bit that doesn't make sense to me is you go back now, it's about 30 years. There was a group with Jerome Bettis. You had a group, I think Dorsey Levins who ended up going to Georgia tech and had a really good NFL career was there. You know, I think Ricky waters was in that window. Like this was a loaded running back room, right? Mm -hmm. Notre Dame has gotten some high four and he maybe even some five-star running backs. None of them have turned out to be like a wow guy in terms of like, they're not Reggie Bush. They're not like even the notch below. Maybe they're like two notches below. Right. So Darius Walker was a good running back. You've had you for Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. You've had guys who are good running backs, but like you have the best, you know, offensive line factory in the country to play, to run behind. That should be really enticing for them. They are not like an air raid where they're going to throw the ball, you know, for 4,500 yards. You know, you are going to get carries. Like I would think that would be, plus you have the Notre Dame machine behind you where if you are that, again, I'm not saying you need to be, you know, Reggie Bush, but if you are a really, you know, really talented running back, mm -hmm. I would think you would say, hey, I get to play behind this kind of caliber offensive line. I'm going to have this kind of spotlight on me. I could win a Heisman here. Now, it's not like Notre Dame has been cranking out Heisman guys of late, but I, I think that would be a selling point. I'm just surprised um, that they haven't been able to – to, to get, you know, more elite talent in there, you know? So yeah. it's, just, so it's been a head scratcher to me that they haven't been able to, to upgrade there.
so it's interesting. You're basically saying take your strengths and your message should be this is what you work against every year. And this is what's going to make you better and make you a pro in this program and do that until they can get to the point that they can walk in with a championship and say, hey, you come here to win championships. Exactly. Speaking of championships, how long did it take you to realize that that game wasn't be going to be close in the national championship? Yeah, it was, you know, because TCU had had some wild comebacks, you gave them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You'd seen them. But once you saw that they just could not have answers to get off the field on defense, you're like, oh, this is going to be – it's going to be like 49 to 17 kind of game. It was even worse, but you know, like, and we'd seen that before, you know, something, you know, a game that look, Notre Dame got run out of the building by Alabama. It felt more, even more lopsided. Cause you're like, Oh, they, this team's not built to come back like that. Whereas TCU, you're like, okay, we've seen them make some wild comebacks, but you know, it was just, it was a, it was just a, it was just an, a low, I was a bloodbath and yeah. to be in there at the beginning where I think, you know, if you think back and I was at the Fiesta Bowl, almost everything that could have gone right for TCU did. They had two pick sixes. There was Michigan kind of got too cute in the red zone a couple of times inside the five. They had another touchdown, which should have probably counted as a touchdown. Didn't. So they were kind of digging out of a hole the whole time, yeah. which isn't really, you know, ideal for Michigan. They're not built to really do that. And they still, it was a pretty tight game for four quarters. You know, you have two pick sixes and you have some, you know, red zone meltdowns on top of that. That should be a blowout. It wasn't even that. So I I think, look, it was an awesome year for TCU. And I think they were a fun story to watch. Um, But it was a bad matchup for them. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Go. Download all of our great content. Leave five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Then leave your comments. We read all comments. We respond to all comments, man. Because of LL Nation, you have made us one of the fastest growing podcasts centered around Notre Dame football. And we greatly appreciate you. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I totally agree. As we move forward, there's left right there. You back left? Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know either. But we were just talking about that national championship matchup. And I'm very interested because we're going to get ready to let Bruce go. We appreciate you giving us some time today, Bruce. The evolution of college football as it transitions from the 14 playoff to the 12 team playoff. How much of an impact do you think this is really going to have on what we see, not during the playoffs, but I'm very interested in seeing how coaching staffs and players approach the regular season now, knowing that, man, if I have one loss and I'm pretty sure we're going to get in, like, do you start resting guys? Do you give guys the week off in college football? Do you think it's going to start to change how coaches approach roster management? I mean, I don't think it would just because I think they know they're still dealing with 18, 19, 20 year olds. If you start getting into like throttling down, that's when bad stuff happens, you know, and I don't think enough of these teams. I mean, look, 
Alabama almost lost twice, once to Texas A&M, who was horrible this year. And it's like, if you, you know, say, hey, we're going to rest. In this case, they weren't resting Bryce Young, but they were playing, you know, he was injured. But like, all it takes is a couple turnovers. And then what happens if you lose that game? You can probably get in, but all of a sudden now you're, you know, like, you run the risk of now you have to play an extra game. You don't get that by who knows if you get an injury there. I, I just think it's like, it's definitely stuff to think about, but I think, you know, this isn't the NFL where it's like, you know, you just see like a couple, you know, like I, one thing I can think of is there was a year where Oklahoma had a, just a loaded team. Adrian Peterson was the star of the team. Jason White won the Heisman and they were rolling through the big 12 and then they got smashed by Kansas state in, in a game, which, they didn't really need to play in or win because they still went to the title game. They got smashed by K-State and then they got blown out by USC. Now, USC yeah. is certainly more talented than K-State. But, like, I think it's just, like, momentum is a tricky thing with, with college kids. It's, it's just, to me, it's way different than the NFL. And I, I think no matter who the coach is, I think you got to be careful if you're throttling up and throttling down too much. You wrote a book years ago, The Quarterback. The Making of Modern Quarterbacks. Great book. It was a really good book. Do you think the game has kind of matched what you kind of thought and predicted in that book? Or do you think things have even gone further in the evolution of the modern quarterback and beyond what you ever thought it would be? When you start to see Caleb Williams, when you start to see Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, you know, Will Levis is at the top. You have Drake May who's coming next year. Uh, I think Anthony Richardson is one of the most talented prospects. He's not polished, but that dude has a cannon, (laughs) can run, he's strapping big. Just what you see now going to the NFL and then coming on in college football, are you surprised that it's gotten to this point? Not like from being around it, and I was around that Elite 11 group, what, what I really was at the core of that book was the private coach quarterback industry. And that thing is ramped up so much, you know, initially it was just guys in Southern, it just guys in California, maybe now some of those businesses are everywhere (coughs) and, you know, some are legit, some are maybe a little more snake oil, but I do think the investment that kids, their families and these coaches have put in is just skyrocketed. Now what, was on the front end of that book, you know, I spent some time with Tom House, who's like the leading, you know, sports biomechanics guy in the country. You know, that has really jumped, you know, really skyrocketed too. So I think so much more attention is put in that space, you know, like the stuff Aaron Rodgers was kind of, um, was kind of like the be all end all (laughs) guy in terms of the stuff he was doing off platform and some of those things. And, you know, like I don't know how old Pat Mahomes was when I when I was working on that book. He was probably a high school sophomore, maybe. But you see, like all the people have been influenced by that, and so it was really interesting to see how that how that took off from there. And um, look, I I think what's harder now is there's so much more of a spotlight on these kids, and they're still kids. They're 16, 17, 18 years old. They're really talented. They have a lot of people coming at them. They have way more exposure now because of social media. And that can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing. But like like the Caleb Williams is of the world and he's definitely gifted, but you, you know, they're coming out of that same incubation world that I was talking about where they spent a bunch of time going to these quarterback places and doing everything they can to maximize when they get that shot. And, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it's going to work out. A lot of times it's not. Um, You know, the thing I've tried to kind of take a perspective on is, you know, a kid who can get that opportunity and allow a lot of times they're transferring more than they ever did before is, you know, this kid who might have been a four star and maybe didn't have or maybe even a five star and did not have on the field the success other people had, you know, hyped him up to be. But then you're looking like, oh, this kid has two college degrees. You know, you can't say anybody's a bust if they've got like two big degrees coming out of high school and they didn't probably didn't have to pay for it. I mean, they paid for it, but not, you know, they were on scholarship and all the opportunity they had. 
Um, so I think it's really, and I get why parents are so invested in it because, you know, they see the, not the, you know, I don't know, is Caleb a one in a million story is, you know, is, was Tiger Woods a one in a billion story was, you know, the Williams sisters in tennis. Like, I think there's a lot of parents by the same, you know, token. Like I remember talking to Stetson Bennett's dad, you know, it's not that different. It's just, um, you know, he had to go the walk on route because he didn't, you know, physically have these, you know, wow factor, you know, traits. But I think there's a lot of people there who will sit there and go, you know, if we rep this and work on this enough and if our kid really loves it, maybe they have a chance. Now, maybe they're not going to be, you know, maybe they're not going to 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 eventually be anything close to Caleb or Stetson Bennett. But like and I don't know if if um, Malik crossed paths with the person I mentioned. But like when I worked on that book, like one of George Whitfield's little baby brothers was this kid who was his ball boy, Chase Griffin. And Chase doesn't have like the biggest arm and he's a good athlete, but not a great athlete, but he went, he from Texas and he was a prolific quarterback in Texas high school football. It was like the Gatorade play. Like he's legit. He got a scholarship at UCLA. He played a little, you know, he, he did pretty well in the moments he did, but he's basically been the number two or number three behind DTR. But that kid graduated like in less than three years is making a fortune in NIL because he is really, really smart and has a lot of ingenuity and he's taking advantage of all these other things. And I think there's, you know, those are the stories where, you know, okay, maybe he's not going to play in a Super Bowl, but like that is a huge success story. And it's, I think there's probably more of those out there than we realize. And I think they all kind of, you know, some of them have roots in that like QB space. You know, that's dope. I wish a lot of parents would look at it from that standpoint that the scholarship is the actual blessing and the seed that can really flourish into something for the rest of your life, rather than trying to think that your kid is the next Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, which is, you know, almost like buying a lottery ticket and hoping that your numbers pop up. It's amazing as always to have you on the show, Bruce, and uh, let the fans know what you're working on. Cause I, I know you always have something going on in your mind of what you want to tap into when it comes to the NFL or college football. Yeah. I'm just working on some draft stuff that I'll, I'll get ready for it. Um, you know, I got a few things that I'm just kind of, you know, I like the evaluation space and everything in this time of year and I'm a big NFL fan. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff, like if people haven't checked out the, the Brock Purdy story, I think it'll be interesting for them just because it's a behind the scenes look at what the actual NFL team saw. And now what one of the coaches who, wasn't a believer before how he's seen it and how he, you know, it fits. It's not like he's coming around trying to say, Oh yeah, that guy is Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. He's definitely not saying that, no. but I think it's a good perspective for people to peek behind the curtain and know what it is. Do you believe all of this noise that that number one pick that the bears hold really doesn't have value because no one's going to jump up to get one of these quarterbacks. Like that's what's being said early. And I'm like, how do you, the quarterbacks are always highly valued in drafts. Yeah, I don't know if, if they're sitting back and going, well, Caleb and Drake May are coming out next year and we feel a little more confident. Like, I really like C.J. Stroud. I get why there's a little hesitation on Bryce because Bryce isn't the biggest. You know, Bryce checks off every box but the physical, like the the maybe the durability concern. But, you know, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You know, like yeah. I'm – I'm interested to see how it works out with, you know, Justin Fields is a special athlete, you know, who's fun to watch and keep seeing how he can develop. He hadn't played all that much college football. Right. So um, I want to see how that plays out for them. And, um, you know, it's just get that accuracy, right? Yeah. It's, it's (laughs) look, you know, the, to me, the best example is, is the guy in Philly who has a burning desire to get better. And coaches, kids, super strong, super determined. And I think if you ask people close to him who work with him, I know because I've, I've done this, they didn't see this, you know, and it's fine that they didn't see it because I'm pretty sure Jalen saw it and he's probably the only one who saw it. Maybe his, his parents did, but like mm-hmm. that he would do this stuff, you know, and I am definitely, you know, became an Eagles fan when he got there just because I you know, we did a bunch of Oklahoma games and I would hear these conversations, have these conversations with him. And that 
you know, like the burning desire probably can only take you so far. It still has got to be, you know, he's obviously really gifted um, on top of it. But (laughs) that is the stuff that I think is really, you know, like if you're Justin Fields, like you look and see how much Jalen Hurts has developed as a passer, you know, like credit to him. You know, his guy, a lot of work with him. I think the Eagles certainly have, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, it sounds like has has had a big role too. Um, But it starts with him. And look, you know, I, Justin Fields is a special athlete. Maybe he, maybe he can do some of those same things if, you know, because I, like I said, I think there was a lot of hesitation on how good of a passer Justin was or would be. And I think some of those same questions were, were with Jalen and Jalen is, you know, in the MVP running. Bruce Feldman right here on the lucky lefty podcast, Bruce, we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you sometime close to the season. Sounds great guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Once again, that was Bruce Feldman, Fox sports, the athletic, we apologize, LL Nation, for the technical difficulties. He hit right. He was in the middle of a great point, too, because he was giving us the counters and the answers of how Notre Dame can kind of recruit against, you know, what Georgia and Alabama would say when it comes to those five stars. But it was so happy that he came on with us and gave us that great information that they left. Let's get to these uh, super chats before we get out. Truman Theodore Dumel says, how can we get ahead of the curve in recruiting? So our season isn't another sob story, and we finish with some Buster Rhymes energy. Um, I mean, they got seven recruits already in the class, and, and it's in January. I'm, I don't. It's to be determined. Yeah, I mean, I don't. This is their first full season as a staff. You know, I tell people all the time, I choose to be happy. The staff got together last year in March, bro. March. March. And put together a top 10 class. That's right. And had a legit opportunity to land the number one and number two players in the class that were committed to the class at one point in time. That's and they right. got together in March. In March. So now they have a full year. They have seven in the fold. And probably in the next month or so, they'll add another two or three. That's right. So, I mean, I feel good. Uh, Doma Wap, thank you so much for tapping in as always. Big surprise. Going back to the conversation, the first half of the show, evidently Marcus Freeman potentially utilizing NCAA rules, allowing new coaches to jettison players off the roster to an academic scholarship understandably strong feelings on both sides thoughts um, I don't know in particular I don't have a problem with co- new coaches coming in saying I would rather go get Jeremiah Love than this guy I don't have a problem at all yeah neither I mean, do I I mean that's you have an all tough decision right Right? I mean, dude, we've had tough decisions in life. Everybody, you know, where whether you move from one service to another, you know, or you choose someone else, you have that conversation in integrity, tell them the truth, let them know it's done, and you move on to what you have chosen to do in the future. It's as simple as that. I think a lot of people feel a certain way because you're dealing with teenagers and you worry about their feelings. But, you know, college football is a business. So at the end of the day, you know, you just heard Bruce Feldman tell you Dylan McCullough is one of the best running back coaches in all of college football. If he comes in and says this dude isn't the standard that we want at running back, then Marcus Freeman should listen to him. Adam Shipley, thank you for the super chat. If we lose Justin Scott, does it cost Washington his job? Mm. It's too early to say. Nah, I mean, there's so much more to the position. So I don't think he would lose his jobs because of that. Jobs that quick. Yeah. I mean, it would definitely go on the ledger, right? 
Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> being docked. It's being docked. Facts. It would definitely end up being docked if a decision were to be made in the future on his job security. So, speaking it's of justice. Them, it's one of them. Okay. I got yeah. You. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, speaking of justice, Scott, Notre Dame will be in Chicago. Matter of fact, I think Tommy has been here since I think he was here earlier in the week. Tommy is really taking this invest in Chicago to heart. Like he's putting in work. Uh, they'll be at his game on Friday. I don't know what other people are saying. I know what he told me when I spoke to him on Tuesday. He intends to visit Notre Dame this weekend. And they, I'm sure they'll confirm that on Friday night at his game. And then we'll see where everything goes from there. You know, what has happened left and the way things have played out is not a shock to me. Right. At all. Because what has happened is what he originally told me. Focus on the basketball season, take a few more official visits, and then make my decision because I'm ready to be done with it. So I don't see this being dragged out. I think he will take official visits to certain schools that he's really interested in, and then he'll make his decision. And he was flat out, he flat out told me, bro, he flat out told me he was choosing Notre Dame. He was like, yeah, I was coming to Notre Dame. He flat out said it. He was like, that was going to be my choice. But like I said, everybody in college football knew that. Everybody. Everybody knew that. That's why Kirby, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, that's why they all teamed up together to say, yo, slow down. Like, we know your choice. We just want you to make sure that you go through the process, you know, because you don't want to make that decision and then have second thoughts. And, you know, you have visits. You should take your visits. They started collectively. Hating. collectively recruiting just to kind of put the pause on the process. Mm. And they were effective in doing so. But once again, I was shocked when he moved it to the 31st because that wasn't what he told me he wanted to do. So all all he really did was go back to the original process that he told me he wanted to do. So... Now we'll see. Some shoes from Oregon. Hey, Thumbing man, through look. a couple bags from Georgia. Man, you talk, I, as always, definitely, by all means, take the Oregon visit. Make that all shit means, be man. Get that shipment every month, baby. You know what time it is. Petticoat. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story the other day brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Your boys talking a lot of trash, bro. Your boys are talking a lot of trash. This video out there, the Cincinnati Bengals, saying they headed to play in the uh, in Burrowhead Stadium. Mm. I said that's mm. real. That's real disrespectful. That's real disrespectful. Considering that he's only beat Patrick Mahomes there one time. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Well, he's only beat him one time on the road. Why are y'all explaining losses? I'm explaining the joke. You can't make a joke if it doesn't have context. What's the joke? It's the facts. That's the problem. It's literally called Burrowhead. He lost left again. No, I'm right here. Like, yo, you can't have a joke like that. (laughs) 
I'm right here. You see saying, me? you know, we're coming to play in Burrowhead Stadium and you've only beaten Patrick Mahomes and Arrowhead one time. Wait. Now, granted, it was a big game. It's AFC Championship game. Has he not seen me? But the other two times you beat him, you were at home. Cincinnati Bengals, Petty Train. The Uber driver. The Uber East driver. Loyola, Chicago, Duquesne. I don't know if you guys saw this. I guess he had to deliver. Somebody ordered. And he walked into the stadium and tried to deliver the meal on the court and was like in the action of play. Like, dude, read the room, get a clue, pause, wait for a timeout. <laughs> it's like, you don't even, like, I don't know if they gave him directions to where their seat was or what his seat was, but it was crazy to see someone trying to deliver Uber Eats at a college basketball game. And he, man, that was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like, really? You would think the person that ordered it would at least get up and walk out to meet the guy. To me, that would be the wisest thing to do, right? So you wouldn't have something like that happening. But it is what it is. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Man, I don't know what's going on. Thank you to Bruce Feldman for jumping on with this left Great show tomorrow. John Garcia Jr. John Garcia Jr. joins us to talk recruiting. You know, unsigned recruits like Nicholas Harbor, who might be the best athlete in the 2023 class. And everything that's happened in the transfer portal, everything he saw on the all-star game circuit. We'll talk to John Garcia Jr. tomorrow. State of recruiting right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast for the Culture Friday. For left. Sean Davis, have a fantastic Thursday. But most of all, you got to make sure that you spin it different.